this is something employers often miss. Your top performers will leave if you continue to allow your poor performers to poorly perform. Kia ora, I'm Troy, here as CEO and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. I'm super excited to hear from the leaders, experts and influencers around the world who are shaping the way our metals industry in New Zealand evolves and innovates. That's why you'll hear me and the HERO team interviewing many of them while bringing our own viewpoints as well. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today our conversation is with Rowan Larson, the Executive Director of the Human Resources Project. Hero is lucky enough to be tapping into his expertise as we work to come up with a range of HR innovation programs focused on helping our members address the skills gap, diversity in our workforce and attracting and retaining staff. So Rowan, in our industry, a lot of companies are in growth mode and they've been focusing on innovation and new product development. And I can say from the 20 years that I've been working in innovation um, and across sectors from government to not-for-profits to big corporates to universities, I've never really thought about engaging the HR function in a meaningful way in setting that strategy. What is the opportunity that's being missed by doing that? I suppose, uh, broadly, broadly speaking, it would be HR in itself probably isn't innovative as such, but you can use it in innovative ways. It's using it, the, the cliche smarter, um, but I suppose what we're trying to promote is that HR is a, an integral part of growth strategies. We, we propose, uh, we're sort of um, uh, proponents of a, a, a strategy program called Scaling Up, which I've spoken to you about. And one of the key tenants in that, or the platforms in that program, is uh, using HR in a very, very specific way. Probably a two-pronged sort of approach is one, employing top-grade people, using HR to identify top talent, which will grow your business, and defining that talent, what it does and what its purpose is within the business so the business can maximise its growth potential. I know you've got a really great analogy, which is the bus analogy. Can you take us through the, <laughs> through bus, the bus journey? Uh, the bus, yes, it is handy. In, in a summary, if we were to look at the broad HR challenges facing a company, what we see in a lot of the companies that we visit, and we get around a lot as well, we're a bit like doctors. We get to see everybody um, in, in, in our time. And um, But what we really notice chronically missing in a lot of New Zealand businesses is a lack of structure, a lack of planning. And this is, if you use the bus analogy, um, you have firms that um, they, they haven't chosen the bus. They haven't decided what they're going to sell and who they're going to sell it to. They don't know where that bus necessarily is going. If they do know where they want to go, they may not have mapped it and mapped the course. They may not then have designated tasks to people such as who's going to drive the bus for different legs of the journey, not necessarily the same person at all times, who's going to maintain it, what the jobs are on the bus, how the seats are configured and who sits where. 
and who you're going to need on that bus. So, you know, the bus analogy is quite a good one. And if people, when we're top grading and we're looking at uh, strategic plans for companies, we often look at who's existing on the bus and whether it would be maybe a little bit better if some of those people weren't on the bus and others were in their place doing different things. What is top grading? Top grading. It sounds spooky, uh, but it's not a genetic experiment. <laughs> it's um, it's about selecting with the with A players in mind. Now, everybody wants the best candidates when they're searching uh, and recruiting, but they don't necessarily know how they are going to identify those people. So, to do a, an effective top grading program, in a nutshell, you probably First, you need to know very, very clearly what it is you want and what it is you're looking for. That's the skill side of it. The other side of it is the fit, and that's all important. Fit is probably defined by your values. So it's very important that a company has a really clearly defined set of values and a clear purpose in each role. Then you can employ the right people who are going to fit your organization, be fully engaged, and take it forward. It's we have this e little equation, and we say that if I can do, if a candidate can do the job and wants to do the job, they will do the job. This it's easy, and you think that it's really straightforward and sounds very simple. But the key to that equation is that you can be actually missing a little bit of the skill if you have the wants too. The key is that. If they can do the job and want to do the job, they will do the job. You can be missing a little bit of the skill, but the trick is you can't be missing any of the want. So engagement is really crucial. Innovative HR is about looking more at engagement per se than necessarily the skills. And what would you look for? How do you measure or um, identify the engagement? You would ask them questions. You actually interview for it, yes, based on, on uh, your values. So you define a company would traditionally develop a defined set of values. And there's another aspect to why this is so important. We may come to that later. But if you know that, you can then ask them, well, what did you do when you are at school? What did you do after school? You might want a work ethic. You might want integrity. Or, uh, sorry, um, uh, you know, some particular quality and you ask questions around that, it's very important that you get to know them as a person, not just, it's a bit tribal, it's a bit, are they one of us, do they fit here? But if you imagine it, values define an organisation the way Italy is Italy, Sweden is Sweden, America is America, or Vegas is Vegas, New Zealand is New Zealand. You, we're the same people trying to achieve the same things and live similar lives, but we each do it with our particular flavour. And that's what values create is that value flavour in an organisation. And you must interview to get that fit so that you know that you've got people who will be fully engaged and love being part of your organisation. And for those companies that haven't really articulated their values, how would they go through that process? And should they go through that process even before they start a recruitment strategy? Yes, yes. Uh, we recommend that they do because... Um, it is an essential part of top grading, but there's also, and this is where I'll come back to the, what I alluded to earlier about what candidates are looking for today. When candidates are looking for a place to work, 
it's not like the old days, uh, which used to be more like we will interview you and decide whether you're good enough for us. The um, I call it loosely the younger generation, and I use that term very loosely. I'm not necessarily referring to millennials, but the the the, the current at the moment in the in the marketplace is that candidates are looking at firms to decide whether you're good enough for them and whether they want to engage with you. So if you don't have clearly articulated values, they don't know what you stand for, they don't know what you represent, and they if they don't have that clarity, they won't buy in. And this buy-in is crucial, and we'll come to other aspects following you've made the decision, you've hired somebody, then you've got to induct them, and the engagement is crucial. And if you haven't got engagement, no matter how skilled somebody is, you're probably not going to get the best out of them. And how much should your values actually represent where you are now versus where you're aspiring to Ah, uh, yes, aspirational values. Um, when we're doing culture change, we do encourage firms to develop, uh, that we work with to develop um, aspirational values. But there is a lot to be said for the firm that's got where it is by being a certain way. And you should try and retain that because clearly it's worked. It's the the difficulty is bottling it, if you know what I mean. So it is a challenge, but it can be done in a structured HR process. It, we have um, tools and, and, and experience to do those sort of exercises. Um, but yes, it's a mixture of the old and the new, uh, by all means. Yeah, it can be both. And what part does diversity play in um, value-based recruitment? Yeah, diversity is extremely important. The, the, the point being, I suppose, broadly speaking, no one has all the skills. No one has the right way of looking at things. You need different viewpoints. Courageous employers employ people who have, one, better skills than them personally, and two, different viewpoints because if you challenge and question you, and if you can work harmoniously and respectfully in that environment and not just be disruptive, um, there's, you'll find you get a much brighter set of ideas that are fresher and resonate better with your marketplace probably. Your diversity of ideas, that's, and that can come from cultures, ages, experience, um, a huge variety of things. So I think maybe HR is as a function has been a little bit um, disregarded in terms of strategy development because once you've set the strategy or the vision, <clears throat> the next step would clearly be setting the right culture and that obviously involves HR. So how do we get, is there a role for HR to play a bigger part in the, the strategy and the vision development? Yeah, probably. That's an interesting question. It's a good question. Um I suppose um, you only achieve what you achieve through people. So it is crucial that HR does help develop that strategy. If you've clearly articulated where it is you're wanting to go, your organisational development program is going to be crucial to that. And that means 
preserving engagement, preserving development uh, or, or encouraging development. And that can be tools such as um, what we call achievement development reviews, regular performance reviews, unstructured companies that don't regularly talk to their employees and evaluate them on, in a meaningful way and in a structured way probably miss those opportunities. And there's a lot of missed opportunities. I notice you use achievement, what did you call that? Achievement development reviews. Yeah, instead mm. of key performance indicators or performance reviews is that what's the deliberateness behind that yeah we performance reviews have been they've they've always been a good idea they've just tended to be misused or misconstrued as policing tool or um, linked with pay reviews, which they're not. They're not necessarily linked with they're part of it, but um, they don't. That's not the purpose of them. The purpose of a performance review should be to celebrate success, celebrate what your staff have achieved. Let them take um, uh, kudos for for things they've done and be recognised. Then look at what they'd like to do and then look at what they're capable of doing. And this ties in with what we call situational leadership. We teach situational leadership, which is about um, the four tenets of situational leadership are, I tell you what to do. The next stage is we discuss it and I tell you what I think you should do. The third stage is we discuss it and you tell me what you're going to do. And the fourth stage, the holy grail, is you just do it and I trust you and you've developed to that level. Performance reviews should help grow your team and your uh, and workforce towards that goal in each of their tasks. Now, they might be at different levels on different tasks, but that is your goal. So there's a real value in that. So it's uh, that's the development aspect. So we celebrate their achievement, we and then we identify their development needs. Then it's a useful document and it actually achieves something for everybody. In, I know that you work a lot with um, many of the members of HERA, actually. Um, so manufacturing, building and construction and so on. What is it that is happening in our industry specifically that's causing an increased requirement for HR support? Is it because we're going through a difficulty in terms of talent acquisition or is it actually because we're doing so well that um, it's time to invest in HR more? Mm. Um, yeah, look, there is a definite skill shortage in the in the marketplace. We are, we've grown so quickly. We've had a, a good economy for a long time. Uh, unemployment figures are historically low. We have skills, definite skill shortages. So uh, companies that we're talking to now are all looking at uh, immigrants and and external labour sources, advertising offshore, and bringing those people on board. Now, that's got a huge raft of, of um, hurdles in it, but one of them is uh, developing cultural understanding as well and inducting those people uh, into our way of life. It's not always easy, um, but there's some fabulous skills that come in. We also need to learn ways to recognise those skills. So HRs had to um, come up to speed to, to learn to recognise those skills. Um, I think that's the main one. I think that's the main challenge in terms of um, the, the, facing the firms today. Most of them are probably... The other side of it would be staff retention. Once they've got these people, are they retaining them? And if they're not, they need to look at why they're not. And what would you see as the role of HR in um, establishing culture 
Um, and is is there something more that the HR function could be doing to better integrate um, more at the strategic level for implementing strategy? Hmm. Um, definitely HR should be involved in not just helping create the values but promote them and making sure that uh, staff understand uh, what the core values of the organisation are and of course recruiting in the first place to make sure they've got people on the bus that fit the seats. Um, but yes, in terms of what was the, can you just repeat the second part of your question, please? Should they be more engaged in the actual um, implementation of the strategy at an earlier stage? Yes, I think I think a lot of companies, because they're, especially in the manufacturing sector, are focused around doing and creating and making. HR might easily be seen as a non-revenue um, generating um, aspect of the business, a bit like begrudging spending on IT or accounting. Uh, um, but it's the glue that holds your whole organisation together. You can't probably separate it out from an organisation. It hasn't always been readily accessible for a lot of the smaller companies that we deal with. Um, but now there's dial-up online services, pay-per-use HR support available. And that should be encouraged because uh, it is the glue. It's part of the fabric that holds a whole company together. And you may have a strategy, but how are you going to implement it? You only implement it through your people. So HR can provide a lot of value in helping you get that result through people. It's just not a simple, they're not a manufacturing tool. Many companies are going through a growth spurt um, or a change in direction. So how would they go about making that change and either, um, what's the process for bringing uh, along their existing employees and what do they have to do or what do they have to be cognizant about in terms of developing their teams? Well, when we are encouraging these uh, our clients to, to develop these values and clearly articulate what their purpose is, look, it's, it's a number of things. There's a whole stepping stone trail of, of um, tactics that need to be employed uh, from clear job descriptions as well as your values and your organisation and your purpose of, of, of these things. But if you've got that... And, um, uh, your HR function should be able to to teach those values and and help people understand where they fit in the organisation to maintain their engagement and make sure that they're relevant um, and that they're going to fit tomorrow as well. Yeah. And what happens in the unfortunate situation where someone's probably not going to be able to um, develop themselves to fit on the to go on that journey. Um, what is the best way to manage someone in that situation? It happens everywhere. Um, performance, if you hark back to what we were talking about with the performance reviews, which we call achievement development reviews, part of that process is to identify if people aren't progressing or have plateaued or have reached their, their ultimate um, skill level. That doesn't mean they're not a top-grade or an A player. 
as we call them, an A player. A players can be the super steady, super reliable person who does not want to do anything but what they do. That's fine. That, that not everybody has to be journeying or career ambitious. But you will inevitably recognize people who have either developed differently, like in a relationship, you grow apart or you grow different ways. You've got to have the courage to recognize that and be able to have those conversations. So part of having a good process and a good structure is to be able to set the, um, uh, the, the, the setting to have those conversations in a comfortable and pleasant way without saying somebody's good or bad or useless or great or it's not about it's not a judgmental thing it's you might be better off somewhere else and it might be in your interests to be somewhere else as much as in our interests to have somebody else it's usually a two-way thing and it's it's very empowering when you have a proper conversation with people in a constructive way so HR can create those structures and look, we all know it's a minefield. You can't have managers just flying off um, with bad tempers about people or frustrations brewing in a, in a workplace. So the more dialogue and uh, um, uh, a structure you have for dialogue, the better. It's really difficult to have those courageous conversations. Um, what are your tips on how to best deliver that kind of constructive discussion in a way that's going to get the engagement of the other person without offending them? Yeah, I think the, the best approach is to have what we call, <laughs> we call it carefrontation. <laughs> um, and so you have a constructive conversation with them in a low-key way. Early intervention has got to be the very, very best strategy. Do not leave things to fester or put them aside on your desk. Managers are very busy and they're very preoccupied with production and, and uh, planning and doing. It's very easy for them to put it in the too-hard basket and say, oh, We'll get to that. We'll get to that. By the time they do, it's usually really, really bad. And if just a quick intervention early on would have been fantastic, it also helps the uh, employee understand what it is they might not be achieving or what they need to do. Gives them clarity. They love coming to work if they know what it is that they are supposed to do and that they know that they're achieving it. They're often not happy if they're not achieving it. And that further becomes a downward spiral for them, you know, and it further reinforces the negativity. So look, early intervention, um, question asking, not ac accusing, just asking, listening, open dialogue is very, very much the best thing. Uh, a lot of our members wouldn't have anyone who's got a dedicated role within HR. Um, how, what other ways can businesses get HR assistance and advice? Because it can be a minefield. Yes, oh, it is today. Um, a lot of firms engage uh, employment legal services and they're good. Um, and the law firms are um, very helpful in helping with a lot of basics. MBIE is very good. The MBIE website is very, very good for giving people advice. The big problem with HR is that it is people. It's not litigation. It's not necessarily a legal matter. And it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all on the MBIE as well. 
So you're left with these one-off situations all the time. Constantly, we find in our job, no two situations being the same. So luckily for employers, there are now quite a few dial-up online HR support services around that you can get. Um, we're aware of a few as well as our own services where people are offering on-call reasonably low-cost HR support services. And I'd encourage firms to reach out and, and get those. They'll, they're worth their weight in gold. In terms of um, attracting the high performers, um, often companies are focused on um, really addressing the performance of the bottom 20%. Um, what happens to those high performers when the focus is really on the low performers? It's actually quite good. One of the things you've got to remember and bear in mind, and this is something employers often miss, your top performers will leave if you continue to allow your poor performers to poorly perform. Uh, top graders or A players don't stay on the bus if they have to sit with C players. Your C players, on the other hand, are probably quite content. Uh, and so it's really quite crucial that employers have a, a plan, a structure, a pro some processes in place to deal, and firstly to identify, their poor performers and actually make sure they are poor performers, not just perceived to be poor performers. If they are poor performers, why? Have they had a conversation with them? Is there training and development available to turn them around? Could they be better in a different role slightly? And then if they really don't belong, and that doesn't happen all that often, but it does happen, and when that does happen, you have to have that ability to deal with them in a, in a positive manner. Um, because you won't keep your A players if you continue. The A players don't necessarily mind employers spending quite a bit of time focusing on that 20%, probably because A players are very independent. They don't need structure. Well, they don't need a lot of um, attention, if you know what I mean. They are in that top quadrant, which is, you do it, I trust you. And so they don't really require that. In fact, they'd rather probably be left to get on with it. So, yeah, you've, it's really, really important to deal with your poor performing staff. Ah, well, I think you've given us a lot to think about there, Rowan. Um, thanks for coming in today and sharing this information. I think it'll be really helpful for our members, especially the ones who don't have a big HR in-house capability. Mm, thank you very much. It's a pleasure. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Rowan Larson today. Check out the show notes if you'd like to contact Rowan directly. Hopefully this has challenged you to rethink your perceptions around how we attract and retain staff within our New Zealand metals industry. Rowan has given us some inspiration for HR innovations and steps we can take to address the challenges we might be facing when it comes to resourcing our businesses. It reminds us of what Steve Jobs once said, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. You hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. Food for thought till we meet next time. So hit subscribe and if you liked what you heard today, please like, review or share with any metalheads you know. Let's spread the word. Hi there, I'm Boaz Habib, Harris General Manager of Industry Development. If you liked what you heard today and want to learn more, then consider joining our HR Innovation Cluster. 
This groups together like-minded people interested in exploring new ways to better attract and retain staff. We'll be focused on giving the participants access to practical tools, expert advice, and workshops that are all geared towards creating a stronger employee experience. Why, you ask? Because we want our members to be employers of choice. To do this, we'll delve into the importance of culture, leadership, strategic recruitment, diversity and inclusion, and simplification of employment documentation, all within your business models. Addressing these means addressing the skills gap, and we know this is something that is truly needed for our industry. For more information, feel free to contact me directly. My details are in the show notes.